Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. As men, we all want to be physically capable. We want to be able to save our life in two ways. First, in the more metaphorical sense of wanting to preserve it in a healthy, fit form for as long as possible. And second, in the more literal sense of being able to make it through an emergency unscathed. How do you know if you possess that kind of life-saving physical capability? Well, it's time to do more than wonder and really check in with yourself. And my guest today has some helpful benchmarks that guys from ages 8 to 80 can use to see if they've got an operative level of strength, mobility, and conditioning. His name is Dan John. He's a strength coach and the author of numerous books and articles on health and fitness. Today on the show, Dan walks us through the fitness standards the average male should be able to meet from childhood to old age, beginning with the assessments he gives to those who are 55 years and older, which include carrying their body weight, a long jump, and something Dan calls the toilet test. We then reach back to childhood and Dan discusses the physical skills kids should become adept in, which were inspired by a turn of the 20th century physical culturist who thought every individual ought to be able to save his own life. And these skills can be broken down into the following categories, pursuit, escape, and attack. And we enter a conversation with the physical standards those in the 18 to 55-year-old range should be able to meet, including how much a man should be able to bench press, squat, and deadlift, and the walking test that's an excellent assessment of your cardiovascular conditioning. After the show's over, check out our show notes at aom.is slash benchmarks. All right, Dan John, welcome back to the show. Hey, well, thanks so much. It's been, uh, it's been, it, it doesn't seem like it was that terribly long ago. Well, it wasn't that long. It was October. So that was what, three months yeah. ago, four months ago. And uh, the reason why I brought you back on so soon, because we, we had a great conversation last time, wide raging, but there was this series of questions I wanted to get to that we couldn't get to because the podcast would have gone on for another hour. But it's based on this article you wrote for T Nation back in 2016, and it's called 10 Things Every Lifter Should Be Able to Do. And basically, you just kind of laid out some tests that you want yeah. lifters to take place. And I think this is going to be applicable to just regular guys who want to be healthy, strong, physically fit. Sure. But these tests are designed to highlight weaknesses that you can work on to, you know, for longevity, overall strength, flexibility, mobility, et cetera. So let's just start. Let me start. Let me start with plus 55. Is that okay with my little standards there? Yeah. So you're, then, you're talking about people who are 55 above. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then let me give you how I assess people. And then let me talk about how you can start with a, with a, a young person and build these qualities up so that literally for the le- rest of their life, they have a handle on certain things. How does that sound? Sounds good. So one of the hardest things, I don't know how old you are, but it's weird because you, you begin to pick up on certain things. I, you know, I, I think athletes, the, the bloom of an athlete is what, 16 to 35. And you know, after that, things and then you do have a Tom Brady and you have a Drew Brees, certainly uh, George Blandis. But you, and, and of course, in my my world, throwing you have people to stay around a long time. But that's when people are athletes. About thirty six to fifty five or so, you begin to notice. And it's funny when you talk to somebody who's forty and I'm sixty three, and they'll say, "I feel like I've lost a step." And I try to be kind. You know, it's like, yeah, trust me, you, <laughs> you did. <laughs> but you know, after after thirty five, thirty six. It's when you start having those lean body mass issues. You tend to uh, swell up a little bit. You you become softer. You, generally, you're trading lean body mass. You might stay the same on a scale, but your lean body mass is going in one direction. Sadly, your fat's going in the other. Your fat's going up and your lean body mass is going down. So, But once you get to 56, then we have to really think about uh, health and longevity 
ideally from age 25 to 55, you wore your seatbelt, uh, you didn't smoke, uh, you didn't say, hold my beer and watch this, you know. But once you get to 56, here are the tests I use, okay? First, can you stand on one foot for 10 seconds, yes or no? If you can't, I send you to a doctor because I want to find out what's going on. In 1991, I was working with this guy, very famous uh, developer here in Utah. And he, oh, out of nowhere, he couldn't stand on one foot. Well, it turned out he had prostate cancer. Now, there was no correlation. And don't worry about that. But the, the fact that I was so insistent he see a doctor saved his life. I, I work with people's MS. And one four days a week, they can stand on one foot. Three days a week, they can't. It would be nice to know if they have MS or whatever the issue is. Does it make sense to you? Number two is I think it's really important to be able to sit down in a deep squat, hold for 30 seconds, then stand up. That's a test of mobility, flexibility, strength. Uh, I, I don't know if you know what the toilet test is, but that's the determining factor about what kind of elderly care you get. Because if you can't get up and down off the toilet by yourself, you have to have much more care. Here's another one I have. It's odd because men struggle with this one. Hang from a bar for 30 seconds. And I always tell people, if something bad happens and there's a flood or something, that 30 seconds will give me a chance to save your life. Without that, <laughs> you know, bad things can happen. So stand on one foot, hold the squat, 30 seconds, stand up, hold on to a bar for 30 seconds, pick up, and it can be any way you want, your body weight and move it. So uh, maybe have really, really high farmer bars, put body weight up, pick it up and be able to move it. Um, that one, a lot of people push back on, but I still stick with it because that's why I still, I, I'm the guy everyone calls to move couches and I'm 63 because, you know, I have, I'm a good couch mover and I'm very proud of that, you know? And then the next one it, you can argue with, but I still like it. This is post 55, be able to standing long jump your height. So if, if a, a rattlesnake's near your foot, you can leap away. And by the way, you don't have to jump your height. You have to j long jump as, as far as you're tall. Okay. So those basic little tests. If Oh, and the final one, uh, I like to observe how you get up and get off the ground. Get down on the ground and get back up. I have a drill called the get back up test. And of course, there's also the Brazilian get back up test. Or you can just do a Turkish get up if you'd like but that little body of tests, if you can hold on to those, you're going to have a fairly – if you can do those at 75, 85, you're going to have a fair amount of independence. So this is – so again, this is for people who are 55 plus. That last one, the, uh, the stand-up off-the-ground mm -hmm. test, we've written about that. And it's interesting. They've, there's been studies that show that there's a correlation – Absolutely. Uh, between, yeah, people who can get up off the floor with fewer limbs. So if you can get up off the floor without using your hands or your knees, your 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 risk of mortality, like, okay, I, everyone always quibbles on that. Well, everyone's going to die, so your mortality rate's 100%. But it's like your, um, yeah. your mortality rate is, you're more likely to have a healthy, vibrant life if you can do that compared to someone who can't. Yeah, and the way the Brazilian guy did it, it's, it's an eight out of 10. If you can score an eight out of 10, because of my uh, hips, I have to put one hand down. But at 63, I still score an 8 out of 10. And I always do. So on paper, that's, what is that? It gives me a 20-year buffer. So yay for me.
Yeah, and I think some people don't realize that. Like as you said, as you get older, the thing that often kills people if you don't get cancer or some other, you know, dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that, the thing that often, you know, you slowly it slowly kills you is like you lose muscle mass. You have you lose the ability to like if you fall down, you can't get up off the ground. Brad, that, most that dangerous can kill you. thing statistically in my house for me is the floor. The floor is the most dangerous thing in my home for me at my age. The the bathtub has well, you know, if I slip and hit the you know, obviously. It's the floor. It's the floor. It's the floor. And I and I ask personal trainers when they say, you know, when's the last time you saw your mother or father voluntarily be on the floor? And most people say, I don't even remember that. Little side little story, just a small little thing. I read somewhere. Most people will never remember the last time they picked up their child. So about a month ago at one of our family parties, I walked over my two daughters and picked them both up. <laughs> <laughs> just just so I'd be able to say, that's the last time I picked you up. <laughs> uh, we also have had, you know, if you, on, going to this idea of, of longevity and quality of life as you get older, we had a guest on the podcast, I think it was last year, who wrote about longevity. One of the interesting insights he that he talked about in that podcast or shared was one of the things that you can do to really increase your quality of life as you get older is to keep, make sure you're continuing to walk on complex landscapes. Oh, like on and off a curb if you live in a neighborhood. Curb or like go to like the mountain, you know, if you live in a rocky area, go hike a trail because what happens is like if you, if you stop walking on uneven surfaces, you basically forget how to do it. And so that whenever an old person, when they haven't, like, the only thing they've walked on is just really flat surfaces, they encounter that, they don't know how to do it, and they, they trip and they fall and they, they break a hip. Exactly. And now, you know, I could even push that farther. We now know that that also is a major factor for issues of the brain. And so, uh, do you know what shaker plates are? Dave Asprey, he's the guy that's bulletproof coffee, okay? And agree or disagree what he talks about. But he really emphasized using the shaker plates. Now, I bought a real inexpensive one just to try it out, and I I fell in love. But staying on a shaker plate and doing one-foot drills, even something as simple as a speed skater, or doing a goblet squat or a press on it. So that, okay, if you can't see my hands, but my feet are both shaking. Well, because it's such a complex system, if you're following along, I'm simply doing a one-arm press on a shaker plate. But since the complexity is shot to the roof, my brain and my nervous system have to adapt instantly to all that crazy complexity. My bones, by the way, there's a new argument about osteoporosis that by losing complexity is why, so your bones get simpler and simpler and simpler and then they break. So what you're saying is, is, is tying right into the stuff I've been reading and learning in the last few months is that the more complexity the world is, the better it is for the, for the aging person. You know, when Thoreau said, simplify, simplify, the correct thing for him to have said was <laughs> complexity, complexity for long-term, I don't know, survival or something like that, if you will. And just to clarify, a shaker plays, that's something you stand on and it vibrates you? Yeah, and they're and you don't have to buy the fifteen thousand dollar one. I bought a, uh, I think it was two hundred bucks one. But now remember, uh, I think it's my job, Brett. To I literally think it's my job not to just go, oh, that's a good idea, but actually try it. You know, drink the Kool Aid, if you will, 
go deep, and then come on the other side and say, that was a whole lot of nonsense, or that's a game changer. So, but here, but but I like what you said. You can also do complexity by walking on a balance beam, uh, jumping rope, stepping up and down off the curb, playing hopscotch is probably one of the smartest things you could do, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as an adult. So yeah, I, yeah, I agree a hundred percent with that very much. So let's recap these, you know, tests for people who are 55 plus. So the first one is, can you balance on one foot for 10 yes. seconds? Right. Then it was, can you do a squat and hold it for 30 seconds? And then stand up. And then stand up without any assistance. And that's so you can get off the toilet. That's the ideal, yeah. <laughs> right. Then it was also uh, be able to bend over, pick up something that's your, was it your body weight and then carry it around? Pick up your body weight and move it. Okay. Okay. And then uh, you, you also talk about the farmer's carry as well. That's what that could be the farm. That could be obviously it could be the farmer walk, but you could have really, really high trap bar and do it or have the weight up on blocks. The idea that you can carry your own body weight, that's, that seems to be important. And that comes in handy because like when you're you're gonna have to carry stuff, you're always gonna have to carry stuff, even when you're 50, 60, 70 years old. Long jump your height. Doesn't mean jump up in vertically your height, but long yeah. jump your height. Yeah. And then hang from a bar for 30 seconds. Did I miss any? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you miss getting up and down off the ground. Yeah. Oh the, yeah. And then getting some, up off all the ground. Of assessment of getting up and down the, off the ground. Yeah. Gotcha. We're gonna take a quick break for your word from our sponsors. And now back to the show. Well, let's uh, move on to someone who, you know, it's in that 18 to, I don't know, 50 range. Or does it change as, like, and, you know, say you're like, right now I'm 38. Child. Yeah, I'm a child. I'm spry. D- does any of this change, for, like, is it going to be any different for me compared to, say, a 25-year-old? Well, tell you what. You know what? Let's, I'm going to give you my full evaluation next. Is that okay? But yeah, let's slide back. To little Brett as a as a happy little waif of eight years old. Okay. Well, I wasn't a waif. I was I was a big kid. I was I was husky. Okay. I had to wear the husky underwear from Sears. Okay, so little Brett wearing his husky underwear from Sears Roebuck. All right. The catalog came out and he went shopping. Okay. Uh, that'll age you, by the way. I would go. <laughs> so I'm a big believer in the insights of a guy by the name George Herbert. Herbert in English, Herbert in the French. He came up to a volcano that was blew up an island, and he started saving survivors, okay? He couldn't help but notice something about the people who survived. They knew how to climb. They knew how to swim. They knew how to do a couple different things. And so he started what we would now call physical culture when he went back to France. And even if you've never heard of him, I guarantee you've heard of him. Are, are you okay with me going down this direction? Yeah, let's go down this road. Yeah, this is good stuff. This is sort of like uh, like MoveNet, natural movement. I think they got their influence from her. So baby. let's just break it down the way he did. And, I'll just, and then I'm going to add two things, okay? Okay. Because I can't help myself. So the first is what he would call pursuit, okay? And pursuit is walk, run, and crawl. And he would expect an eight-year-old, nine-year-old to be able to do those. Uh, I... I fell in love years ago with uh, when I found out that this this Irish school taught proper sprinting techniques to their elementary school kids. I thought to myself, they've got it. But walking, running, and crawling, here's the funny thing, how often do you see kids crawl in PE classes? Now, when I taught when I taught, we did tumbling and everything else and crawling because I, you know, I, I listened to my hair bear. So pursuit, 
Walk, run, crawl. Okay. Oh, and real quick, just a side note, but especially if when I read your site, Brett, this might be a real valuable thing for them. There are probably two games that are older than probably maybe even language. One is tag, T-A-G, tag. And the other one is hide and go seek. Both teach you to be a very good hunter-gatherer. Both teach you to be a very able person in any kind of combat. So to me, when if you want to do paleo fitness, <laughs> just go out with a bunch of school kids and play tag and hide and go seek. And you'll see that how uh, in that pursuit one there, walk, run, and crawl, that is hide and go seek and uh, tag. If that's too weird, Brett, just say, Dan, that's too weird. Okay. No, that makes sense. So this is this stuff for like, you're going not even 18 year olds. You're going like eight years. This is for kids. Like if you're a parent, you, you want your kids doing this stuff. All right. Yeah. Uh, when's the best time to learn to crawl? Probably when you're two. When's the second best time to learn? Probably today. You know, so there you go. And then there's escape. So we had pursuit followed by escape. And that's climb, balance drills, jumping, and learning how to swim. And it's interesting. I, I, you know, I work a lot with the military. We're gonna work. That, that's all we'll say. But I mean, it's interesting because to get yourself off of almost any major problem spot in the world, if you can get yourself into the ocean, either by swimming or by stealing a, a boat, that's usually the best route to safety. And it's that was true forever. So you need to you need to practice climbing, and I call that brachiating. You need to practice balance drills because, you know, sometimes you're trying to escape. <laughs> you're running down a gutter on top of a roof. You got to jump to the next roof and then, of course, swim your way out. And his third area was what he called attack. And this is more my life, okay? That's throwing, lifting, and fighting. And all three of those skills uh, should should be addressed long before they need to be addressed. And if you don't mind, let me add two others that he doesn't have. I would include bike riding because I think it's much better to learn how to fall. It's better to fall off a bike at five than at 55, right? Right. And then the other area I would add is either what I call tumbling, but nowadays it's more more often called break falling, uh, learning to take a fall. But when I when I give you this list, walk, run, crawl, climb, balance, jump, swim throw, lift, fight, bike ride, brake falling, you get a sense to see the importance of play in a playground. Yeah, obviously, you need to learn how to swim and learn how to fight and learn how to bike ride. And probably you maybe learn how to lift and throw. It, it, it would depend. But how foundational and important all this can be to a person's life. If you have all those skills, in fact, it might be worth your time as a, uh, you know, with your site to Find people and say, hey, you know, do an article on uh, or do an article on teaching kids how to, you know, this is how you, this is running uh, sprint mechanics. This is crawl mechanics. This is climbing mechanics. This is how to practice your balance. Here's jumping. Here's, you know, swimming. You probably already have the bulk of it on your site from, from my memory, but it's, it's such a, 
it's such a gift that you can give your children to be able to have that entire skill set. Yeah, we do have articles on all those things, crawling. We did one on balancing, like, like a, a two by yeah. four, just like having a two by four in your house. Yeah, I saw the article. The guy, that was, re- that was excellent. Yeah, it's, and it's super easy. And, and that's another thing, as a parent, what you can do is like, you know, make sure you're paying attention to what your kids are doing in PE. And if they're not doing those things, well, you know, join the PTA and, and you know, Use your public speaking skills yeah. to persuade them. Maybe we should do some of this stuff. But if they're not getting it, make sure they're outside playing. One thing my wife and I have done is we found a a guy here in Tulsa who does parkour and like he does does he's like he's I think he's done some move nat stuff. Anyways, he we take him to the park with our kids and he goes through things like rolls, like how to fall. Sort of the he gets he's a coach and he's able. It's been really fun to see our kids take to it and the skills they've yeah. been learning from that. And then, you know, in the area of throwing, I mean, you, you, I don't want your kid necessarily to be a major league baseball pitcher, but it'd be nice to know all the throwing arts, be able to do the basics of lifting, the Olympic lifts, the power lifts, kettlebells, you know, the kettlebell basics, the calisthenic basics. And you can push back on fighting until it's time to fight. You, you can agree or disagree, gentle listener. You can agree or disagree. Last week, a bunch of thugs took over our capital. And one of our congressmen, who's a former ranger, started gathering things like pens and stuff like that to defend his fellow congressman. And to me, you never know when it might be your time to defend those you love. I'm not a psychopath. I'm not. But there are bad people in this world. And it's the job of those of us who are fast twitch monsters to protect, to protect them. All right, so we've talked about guys who are over 55. Uh, we've talked about kids who you say should only be doing basic skills, the George Hare Bear type of stuff to about age 15. You argue that kids really shouldn't be doing any specialized training before that age. So let's turn now to the guys in between. Guys between the ages of 18 and 55. So I know as an introductory assessment, you want people in this range to do the same kind of test you do with the older guys. You can stand on one leg for 10 seconds, standing long jump, farmer's walk with body weight, the get back up test. And you do these same sorts of tests to see where they're at before you start training them. Well, you know, and I don't want to give you too many kudos because I don't want you to head this well, but the one thing I like about your site is this vision from youth, well, youth to death, right? Right. So if you decide to follow the teaching, if you did a Herbert youth and then had an elite like myself, I had a Herbert youth. And then I became a discus thrower Highland gamer, and I, I retired uh, July 24th, 2010, 11 years ago now. That's amazing. Ten and a half years ago. Huh? And now, but all that stuff I did then, I can hang from, I can hang for up to two minutes. I can, you know, you know what I'm saying? If you have the foundations and build it up, you should have the same basic test core your whole life. Right. Okay. Let's say, let, let's say someone, um, you find, you do these assessments on say uh, a 35 year old and yeah. you decide it's a man and they're ready to focus on strength and mobility and you get some programming going for them. Yeah. At a certain point, you'll want to assess again, see how they're doing and see if they're, if they're reaching, you know, if they're getting strong. So do you have assessments for that as well? Like, do you have metrics or b- benchmarks you like? Oh yeah. I mean, okay. Let's go through the ones that are in my book that start off in my book, Intervention, but now, I mean, I have them in a bunch. I have about a thousand different ones, but let's go through for, for men. I expect a man to be able to bench press his body weight, okay? 
I expect a man to be able to do five pull-ups. I expect a man to be able to deadlift 150% body weight. Uh, okay, got that. You weigh 200, you ought to be able to do 300, right? That's not very much um, at all. I expect to be able to body weight squat, okay? And I expect to be able to do a farmer walk with your body weight, okay? Oh, one other thing. If you work with me, I expect to be able to do a Turkish getup, uh, both left and right, with a Dixie cup half filled with water on your fist. Instead of weight, the Dixie cup, because that means <laughs> if you can do uh, the water, we, we always joke when you get hit by the water, we call it baptized, but the, the, that, that shows mobility and flexibility far better. Okay. Is that, is that okay? That makes sense. That sounds like, a, like something you'd see in a karate movie from the 1980s. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a good one. So we've been talking a lot of strength stuff. What about, I know you're a big proponent of walking and hiking. Yeah. Do you have similar metrics or tests that you like to put your clients through for, should they be able to walk with, you know, without load in a certain amount of time or with load, et cetera? Now I'm, I'm a fan of uh, Phil Maffey tone on this. So when we do this, uh, it's going to be a little bit more complicated. Don't take what I'm about to say wrong, but I think you have to have some other things set. So I'm a big believer in what's called the MAF test. Okay, so it's 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 a three mile walk. Okay, all right. So do you mind if I go explain it? Real yeah, quick? go into it. I've, this is new to me, so I would like to hear about. Okay, it. so Matthew Tone numbers are 180 minus your age is the top end for the test, and 160 minus your age is the low end for the test. Now, what you have to get to do to get your heart rate in those numbers, I don't know. For me, it's really easy. If I put on five-pound ankle weights on both feet and I carry six-pound heavy hands, my heart rate gets into that zone very easily, okay? Because, you know, I'm 63, so it's not that hard. Okay, so mentally, you got to figure out those numbers, and your job is to stay between those numbers the entire test. Not above at all. And don't cheat by running, Okay. And what you're going to do is at the end of every mile, you're going to log the time you went through. So do you see how many factors are going on here? Yeah. So it's going to be, for, for us, it's a, for us, we do a 12 lap test. I keep my heart rate right inside those Maffey tone numbers. Fortunately, I have a, a nice heart rate monitor that can tell me when I go above it. Um, and it, I, I've got it set that every few minutes it says, you know, whatever, heart rate, 112, whatever. So when I do the first mile, say it takes me 19 minutes. Second mile takes me 21. Third mile takes me 29. Just staying in my heart rate numbers. I train for a couple of months. I do the MAF test again, and my numbers are 17, 19, 24 uh, for the mile t- uh, splits. What we can guess from this is that my conditioning has improved because my mile splits have dropped with my heart rate in the same zone. Right. Okay. So you can go faster without having your body, your heart having to work harder. Yes. Right. You follow it. Okay. Right. Excellent. Now I'm a track and field coach, so I don't care what your heart rate is in the 400 meters. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> That sounds horrible, but if you start off the first day I had you, tra- I trained you, Brett, and you ran a 75, six weeks later you run a 55, and the next year you come back and you run a 48, 
I don't care what your heart rate is. You've improved. You got that? Right. And that's great for track and field, but it's not great for lifelong cardiovascular training. That's why I like the narrow, the narrow step-by-step of this. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? It's, I like the fact that you have the heart rate, that, that narrow window of heart rate as a standard, the exact same, I, I mean, the exact same test, if you can do it, and then watch the numbers come down. One, one follow-up question with this assessments, um, like how often should you assess yourself? I mean, I, I imagine if you do it too frequently, uh, you're going to get a lot of noise. And you know you're going to keep the tests is what's right. going to happen. Yeah, but if you don't do enough, then then you don't you can't see a trend line. So like, what's the sweet spot? When I fold clothes and do dishes, I practice standing on one foot. I actually even do it sometimes when I'm, I have an electric toothbrush, and I'll just stand on one foot. So I do try to cheat the balance test because I feel like that's one of those tests that's, well, because if I'm doing my teeth, I'm adding a ton of complexity to my teeth brushing, which I think is good for my uh, brain and maybe who knows, even for my bones. Okay. So the standing long jump, I I see no issue with that monthly, every six weeks, Um, the farmer walk monthly, every six weeks. And the get back up probably should be part of your warm up anyway. So yeah, the full test, let's say every three months, pieces of it, you know, is appropriate. That's, that's kind of a fun little thing. No, it's something like you, you can do with your kids too. <laughs> like I, we do the get up test. Like whenever we're bored, yeah, great fallback activity is well, see if you can get up off the ground without using your feet, or and find different ways you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dan, this has been a great conversation. We've covered a lot of ground. Is there some place people can go to, you know, find these assessments and learn more about them and the, the complexities and nuances of them? Well, I have a YouTube video going through it. Yeah, so go to YouTube, find Coach Dan John. Good luck. It's there's I have I don't know a thousand videos, ten fifteen um, workshops. It's an honor to have to. I give them away free because I just. I love what I do now. I have a website called danjohn.net, which, my God, if, if, you, if you decide to print it off, good luck. There's 3,000 pages, okay, of stuff to print off. And then I have my pay site, and I'm sorry about that, but I have to pay people for doing all this other stuff, called danjohnuniversity.com, okay? And tell you what, let me give you a code right now. Make it, let's do this, art of man. Okay. Art of man. And so gentle listeners, you'll get, um, it's usually 29 bucks a month. You'll get, you'll get for 29 bucks, you get for three months and happy new year to you. Okay. Here's the thing I, I think I like best about it, Brett. If you haven't been on the site, it's called the workout generator. You press what equipment you have. You press how many days a week you want to work out the intensity level. And then you press a button and it gives you this wonderful spreadsheet with Every uh, it's once you you just got to play with it. You may never ever use another. I know this sounds crazy, Brett, because it's it is in it's my brain. I can't coach as well as the workout generator (laughs) coaches. Okay, all righty. Well, fantastic. Well, Dan John, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Hey, and if you don't mind, and I've said this before, I don't know if you guys realize what uh, a great site you have. I'm not blowing smoke at all. Your site is, it's an absolute, and and I mean this, it's an absolute honor to be part of it. The quality of work that you guys have on there, the insights, 
I wish I would have come up with your idea because I think it's just brilliant. I mean, uh, so there's a little bit of jealousy there, but it is really a phenomenal place and I recommend it constantly, okay? Well, thanks so much. We really appreciate that. You bet. My guest today is Dan John. He's the author of several books. They're all available on amazon.com. Just check it out. Just search for Dan John. You can find out more information about his work at his website, danjohn.net, as well as danjohnuniversity.com. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash benchmarks, where you find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the AWIM podcast. Check out our website at artofmanliness.com where you find our podcast archives as well as thousands of articles written over the years about pretty much anything you think of. And if you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes of the AWIM podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to stitcherpremium.com, sign up, use code MANLINESS at checkout for a free month trial. And once you're signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android or iOS and you can start enjoying ad-free episodes of the AWIM podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate it if you take one minute to give us a review at Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think would get something out of it. As always, thank you for the continued support. Until next time, this is Brett McKay. Remind you not only listen to the AWIM podcast, but put what you've heard into action.